اشهدوا لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم as long as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was living in mecca the muslims were constantly being persecuted and there was no reason for there to be any category of munafiqeen to even exist there were only believers and disbelievers those who wanted to believe they believed and they were with the community of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and those who wanted to disbelieve they disbelieved and they were with the majority and if there was anyone who was hiding their faith it was those who were sincere believers and they were in fear of persecution so they were those who were the followers of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam then when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam moved to medina there was a third category of people who appeared and those were the munafiqeen this was when the muslims established themselves as a system as a nizam and there was an organization that came into being and the majority of the arabs of medina came to accept islam so at that time there were many people who were disbelievers among those arabs in fact up until the time of the battle of badr there were many disbelievers and idolaters among the aws and khazraj of the people of medina but after the battle of badr since it became clear now that islam was here to stay and that the muslims had support from an unknown power whether it was their luck or whether it was god almighty who was supporting them but this was a victory that really struck the hearts of people up until that point everyone thought that once the muslims face the quraish then everything will fall apart so the battle of badr changed everything and those people who were disbelievers among the aws and khazraj simply to go along with everyone else they also ended up entering the fold of islam however unfortunately in their hearts they were still disbelievers they didn't stand for what they believed in but they capitulated under social pressure and this capitulation is something that the holy quran considers to be doubly blameworthy because a disbeliever is one who disbelieves but at least he has enough of a spine enough of a backbone enough courage to say that this is my position i disbelieve in this and i am in opposed to it in in opposition to it and a believer similarly has similar characteristics in that area but it is applied in a good way it is applied in the correct way that this person says that i am a believer in the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam i give my bath to him and i am a muslim but those who were the munafiqeen were those who in their hearts were disbelievers which is equally condemnable in the sight of allah almighty whether a person makes it apparent or whether a person hides it but on top of being disbelievers they were deceitful they were deceptive and they sought to deceive the believers so this is why they in the holy quran and the ahadith are described as being the worst among people it is narrated that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that you will find the worst among a person one who has a double face he comes with one face to them and with the other face to the others this is found in bukhari and muslim and in a way it's a commentary of a verse of the holy quran that innal munafiqeena fi darkil asfali min an-nar that surely the munafiqeen are in the lowest grade of hell so from a theological perspective you may assume or i may have assumed that it was the disbelievers like abu jahl who were most accursed in the sight of god almighty most worthy of punishment but in reality it was not the kuffar 
In reality, it was the munafiqeen, those who called themselves Muslims, who were among the community of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, but they were disbelievers just like Abu Jahl or just like the other ones. But in addition to that disbelief, they were also dishonest in their disbelief. So this is the community of the munafiqeen, which made up a group of people who hid their disbelief and made themselves appear as if they were Muslims and followers of the Prophet ﷺ. There is a narration in Sahih Muslim where the Holy Prophet ﷺ describes their condition. He says the parable of the hypocrite is that of a sheep that hesitates between two flocks, sometimes following one and sometimes following another, not knowing which to follow. We see in the time of the Prophet ﷺ that those munafiqeen, those disaffected members among his community, they were always in talks with those who were disbelievers. Initially, they were always in talks with the kuffar of the Quraysh, negotiating with them, telling them that we will not come out against you with the Muslims, that we will aid you if any type of difficult situation happens. Then also when the Muslims came into conflict with the Jewish tribes that lived in the suburbs of Medina, as a result of those tribes making repeated acts of warfare against the Muslims, there also the munafiqeen were constantly in talks with them and giving them assurances that we will be your supporters, passing on to them information and all these different types of things. So in one way they were supporting the disbelievers with one face and then with another face when they would come in front of the Muslims they would make themselves appear to be sincere members of the community. This is described in the Holy Quran where Allah Almighty says that إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْهَدُوا إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ That when the munafiqeen come to you they bear witness, they give their oath that we swear that you are the messenger of Allah. وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُوا إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَكَازِبُونَ But Allah Almighty gives testimony. Allah who is the all-knowing, He gives testimony that certainly the munafiqeen are liars. They are telling a lie when they say this. The Holy Prophet ﷺ described different signs of the munafiqeen as well. The different ways in which they behave, the way by which they could be identified. He said that there are three signs of a hypocrite. When he speaks, he lies. When he makes a promise, he breaks it. And when he is trusted, he betrays his trust. And another narration adds that even if that person observes fasting and performs salat and asserts and says that he is a Muslim. Here, in this narration, the Prophet ﷺ said that even if that person has all the behaviors of a Muslim, but these are the signs of a munafiq. As a Muslim author, who expanding on this, explained that ye ilamat munafiqat ka lazima hai. Kyunki munafiq chunki apne nifaq ko chupana chahta hai. Uska ziriya wo yehi samajta hai ke agar us par koi ilzam lagaye aur uske aib ko zahir kare, to wo jhoot bole aur usse lar pade aur galiyon par utaraye. So Hizwar explains that these characteristics of a munafiq are necessary because those who are hypocrites, they are dishonest not only with, them, with others but with themselves as well. And when they're called out for their dishonesty, then they have no, <clears throat> no choice but to lie about it in order to cover themselves up. The munafiq is one who is in contradiction with himself and he knows this. And so the simple act of being honest is the complete refutation of munafiqat. To confront that munafiq with his own contradictory reality is enough to show the falsehood of his approach and the wrongness of the way in which he deals with people. So the only way that a munafiq has of reconciling himself with others or even with himself is with falsehood. He necessarily, he must lie. 
And this is what we see again and again in the munafiqeen in the time of the Holy Prophet wasallam, that they would lie, and in fact they would lie so blatantly in front of the Holy Prophet wasallam, that everyone knew that they were lying. On one occasion, the chief of the hypocrites who was known for this, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, he had made a comment that he was trying to create disorder among the Muslims, and when he succeeded to a degree, and some of the Muslims actually started fighting amongst themselves, and he saw that now they're coming into my play, then he said that once we return to Medina, then the most honored among you will expel the person who is the most disgraced among you. And here he was referring to himself as the most honored, and he was referring to the Prophet wasallam as the most disgraced. This is the type of language that the munafiqeen would use about the Prophet wasallam behind his back. In his, to his face, they would not say these things. But then when they were alone with the people who they thought were their allies, وَإِذَا خَلَوِ لَا him with people who held the same opinion as them, then they would say highly disrespectful things about the Prophet ﷺ that they would never say among the sincere Muslims. This is also a sign of their double-facedness, that they are respectful when they are around sincere believers and they never say a word of disrespect against the Prophet. But when they are among themselves, then they let all the filth that is within themselves out. So here Huzur explains that this is a necessary characteristic of the munafiqeen, that they would lie. When this news at this event reached the Prophet ﷺ, then he called Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, and he asked him if he had actually said this. And in fact, this was after the Prophet ﷺ had in fact received revelation from Allah Almighty that he had actually said it. But Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul denied it. He said, no, I never said it. So the Prophet ﷺ said, that's fine. He left it to Allah Almighty. So this is an example of the type of situations that munafiqeen inevitably find themselves in. They have that two-facedness. And then when one face is revealed in front of a group where they show another face, then they are so shocked by it, they are so caught off balance, that in that moment they have no way of saving themselves except by lying, except through falsehood. Then Huzur also says that اسی طرح اسے جھوٹ بولنے کی بھی ضرورت پڑتی ہے کیونکہ اس کے بغیر وہ اپنے اندرونہ کو چھپا نہیں سکتا وعدہ خلافی اور عہد کو توڑنا بھی اس کے خواص میں ہونا لازمی ہے کیونکہ منافق وہی ہوتا ہے جو ایک قوم سے بظاہر تعلق رکھ کر دراصل اس سے بگاڑ رکھے اس ہیز آلسو گوئنگ اگینسٹ ونس پرامس از آلسو اے نیسیسری کیریکٹرسٹک بیکاز ہی لوئل ٹو ون نیشن بٹ این ہی اسٹیبز ان دا بیک اینڈ اگینسٹ دم بہائنڈ دیئر بیک امانت میں خیانت بھی اس کا ضروری خاصہ ہوتا ہے کیونکہ اپنے قوم راز اپنے قومی راز غیروں کو بتائے بغیر وہ ان میں مقبول نہیں ہو سکتا He says, another aspect that is necessary in a hypocrite is that he does not protect the trusts. He is, he is not trustworthy. Because the only way that he can be accepted, he can be of any value among the enemies of Islam, is if he brings forward something that is of value from his people. The secrets, the information about his people, the internal information about his people, the intelligence about his people. So here also we see this about the munafiqeen. That when the Muslims were constantly in a state of defending themselves against attacks from the disbelievers, then the munafiqeen would share with the disbelievers information about the forces of the Muslims, their movements, the activities of the Muslims, things that would compromise the, st- the strategy of the Muslims in their attempt to survive and in their attempts to um, fend off the attacks of the disbelievers. So this is another aspect of the hypocrites that we see in the time of the Holy Prophet wasallam. Then, in another narration, the Holy Prophet said, and actually this is not a, uh, the statement of the Prophet this is in fact a statement of one of the Sahaba, 
So there was once a situation that arose where everyone had gone, all the sincere people had gone to the Battle of Tabuk with the Prophet ﷺ. And the only people who were left behind in Medina were those who were hypocrites, or those who were physically weak, they were physically unable to go forth to battle. So this Sahabi, he makes this observation that you know, he was one of the sincere people who stayed behind because of a laziness on his part, because of neglect. And he talks about how he slowly realized the gravity of the mistake he had made, that the Prophet ﷺ was in need, and he is out in danger. And I'm sitting here at home just because of negligence. And he was looking around to see, did anybody else make the same mistake I did? And he says that whenever I went out, I was grieved to find no good example to follow, but confirmed hypocrites or weak people who Allah had exempted from marching forth in jihad. So here, this shows, and we find in other narrations, that the Sahaba were generally aware of who the Munafiqeen were. This was not some huge mystery, nor was it something that was considered so offensive to point out somebody's munafiqat, to be aware of people's munafiqat, to keep an eye on them, and to know who the munafiqeen are is a necessary characteristic of any living community. And this is what the Holy Prophet had imbued among his sahaba. So this sahabi, this shows the context of the era, that he said that I went out and I saw no one other than those who were physically weak and those who were confirmed munafiqeen, those who were known for being hypocrites, that although they were double-faced, and although they showed one face in front of the believers, but people had become aware of their falsehood. At a certain point, eventually people become aware of someone who is a liar, or someone who is false, or someone who has these characteristics. This becomes known in society eventually. Society and communities are not so naive that they overlook this. <clears throat> then <clears throat> there's a narration about um, the, uh, another characteristic of the munafiqeen, that they would repeatedly give assurances to others that they would support them. It is narrated that when the Muslims came in conflict with the Banu Nazir, then the chief of the hypocrites, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, repeatedly gave them promises that do not fear the, do not fear the Muslims at all, for we shall support you and shall fight on your behalf. No matter how many times these promises were made, each and every time the Munafiqeen failed to come to the aid of any of the people who they promised aid to. And the reason for this is that a Munafiq and when he continues in that line of thinking that he is in, he loses the resolve to be able to act with certainty and with, with, um, with confirmed um, resolve on anything that he wants to do. At least a disbeliever, he takes a clear position and he says that I disbelieve in this. And there are many kuffar who will even die for that disbelief. And there is a very unfortunate end for them. But because they have taken a firm position, so they still have that quality within themselves. They have a resolve. They have an ability to follow through on what they believe in. And they are willing to stand for and die for what they believe in, even if it is extremely misguided. In the same way, the believers who are established on the correct guidance and on love for Allah Almighty and the Prophet wasallam, they are willing to die for him. And the sacrifices that they make cannot be paralleled by anyone else. But since the munafiqeen continue in a state of this double-faced cowardice, they lose their backbone, they lose their spine with time. Year after year, after acting with one face in front of one group of people and another in another group of people, being conniving, being underhanded, this creates a characteristic of cowardice within them. They lose the resolve to stand for a cause, to make sacrifices for that cause. And no matter what community they are a part of, they're a useless member of that community. As long as they are members of a, the community of believers, they are useless members of that community. They don't make sacrifices, they are not a productive part of that community. 
And then even if they go over to a community of disbelievers, they are not able to be an organized and productive member of that community because they lack, they lack that resolve. They lack the quality that is necessary for a person to be truly productive and to be a source of a revolution and of a living community, which is a characteristic of a, of a community of a true prophet of God. So this is also one of the characteristics of the munafiqeen, and it becomes known from time to time. Allah Almighty says that these different trials come and they came during the time of the Prophet ﷺ that as a result of those trials the sincere believers were distinguished from the disbelievers when it came time to sacrifice then that was where it became very clear that these are the believers and these are the disbelievers for example the battle of Uhud happened and there it was a time of threat it was a time of risk and at that time we see that Allah Almighty had ordained that the people of Uhud should receive a special blessing. And in later on a hadith we see that the Prophet ﷺ spoke very highly of the participants of Uhud, saying that they were worthy of special reward, that they were those who were the people of paradise from a certain angle. Now imagine if the munafiqeen had joined in that battle. There was no way that that could have been true. But Allah Almighty created circumstances by which in his true communities the hypocrites are naturally filtered out. What happened at the Battle of Uhud? As they marched out, the munafiqeen left right there along with the believers. This was a problem. Having 300 munafiqeen along with you is not going to help anybody's situation. But then they themselves left. They abandoned the Prophet ﷺ. And in this way, all those who were insincere, as a result of this trial, they separated themselves from the Muslims. These types of examples come frequently. They happen in the life of the Prophet ﷺ and they happen afterwards as well. An example of the trash taking itself out. That when a trial comes, then there is a natural distinction that is made between those who are sincere and those who are insincere. And then finally a distinction can be made by which those who are sincere can move together and forward as a community. So the reason the Prophet ﷺ was able to give that distinction to the people of the Battle of Uhud and the reason why they were so welded together in their sacrifices that they made on that day and they remembered those afterwards as well was because that was a day of distinction when the believers were made clear from the disbelievers Allah Almighty has described the munafiqeen and the kuffar in the same category that wa'ad Allahu al-munafiqeena wal-munafiqati wal-kuffara nara jahannam that Allah Almighty promises the hypocritic men and the hypocritic women and the kuffar which is the disbelievers the fire of hell and also Allah Almighty says in the Holy Quran that Ya Yuhan Nabiyu Jahidul Kufara wal Munafikina Wagluz Alayhim that O Prophet, strive against the disbelievers and the hypocrites and be harsh towards them, be strong and be clear in your in your approach to them. So here the Holy Prophet demonstrated for us the way in which he would deal with the Munafikin, the straightforwardness, the way of identifying them, and the way of confronting them as well. Although he was kind to them on one end, but he was not naive in that he allowed their um, objections to cause, um, to cause discord among the community. Hazrat Muslim Allah writes that Munazim Jamaatum Munafika ka guru zururi hota hai. Kyunki jab tanzim na ho to munafikat karne ki zururit kam hoti hai. Lekin jab ek jamaat munazim ho, to usse chhorna kamzor de logon ke liye mushkil ho jata hai. اس لیے وہ ایک طرف تو اپنی جماعت سے بھی تعلق بنائے رکھتے ہیں اور دوسری طرف خفیہ خفیہ اس کے مخالفوں سے بھی ساز ساز باز شروع کر دیتے ہیں جماعت احمدیہ چونکہ ایک منظم جماعت ہے 
اسے اس خطرہ کو ہمیشہ سامنے رکھنا چاہیے منافقوں کا وجود اس میں پایا جانا اس کی کمزوری کی علامت نہیں بلکہ اس کی تنظیم کا ثبوت ہے ہاں ضرورت اس عمر کی ہے کہ وہ منافقوں کی چالوں کو جو قرآن کریم میں بیان ہوئی ہیں سمجھے اور انہیں مد نظر رکھ کر منافقوں کو پہچانے اور ان سے وہی معاملہ کرے جو قرآن کریم نے تجویز کیا ہے اور ان کے ہتھکھنڈوں میں نہ آئے کہ وہ شیطان کی طرح خیر خواہ بن کر ہی حملے کیا کرتے ہیں سو ہزور ایکسپلینس ان اینی آرگنائز کمیونٹی دی ایگزٹنس آف منافقین آف ہیپوکریٹس از انیویبل بیکاز If there is not an organization, then there is no need for people to, practice, to, to go towards hypocrisy. But when there is a strong organization, then those who are weak of heart, they find it difficult to leave that organization. And so then they try and play both sides. So Hazur explains that Jamaat Ahmadiyya also has to be mindful of this. And it is not a sign of the weakness of a community that hypocrites exist within it, but rather it is a sign of the strength of the organization of that community that they exist within it. And so Huzur explains that it is necessary also for Jamaat Ahmadiyya to identify and to always keep an eye on the activities of the munafiqeen that are within the community and also to follow the guidances of the Holy Quran on how to deal with them and to not fall into their deceptive claims that they are only trying to create peace but to be aware that this is the way of Satan that in the name of peace he seeks to create disorder. So the last narration that I'd like to mention is one of a time of the Holy Prophet وسلم, at the Battle of Hunayn where he confronted a certain munafiq. And it was at that time that he was distributing the spoils of war. And in the distribu- distribution of the spoils of war, there were different categories that people came in where they were worthy of receiving different amounts. There were some people who received under Mu'allafatul Qulub. So there was a certain equal distribution that given, was given to everyone. And then according to the command of Allah Almighty, there were some people who could be given an extra amount because of the circumstances that they had. So this was a prerogative. And so as the Prophet ﷺ was distributing, one person raised an objection, and he said, that by Allah, in this distribution, justice has not been observed, nor has Allah's pleasure been aimed at. So one of the Sahaba said that by Allah, I will inform the Prophet ﷺ, and I went and informed him. And the Prophet ﷺ became angry, and he said that if Allah and his apostle did not act justly, then who else would act justly? May Allah be merciful to Moses, for he was harmed with more than this, yet he kept patient. So here we see that the Prophet ﷺ responded to a munafiq in a certain way. He did not try to explain to him the reason for the, the, for, for the way in which things were distributed. He did not give him all the accounting or any of those things. He simply explained to him that a person who has given bayt to the Messenger of Allah, then how can he also believe that that same Messenger of Allah can be unjust? That If, if the Messenger of Allah is not going to be just, then who else can be just? So this is a simple principle that the Prophet ﷺ told. So this is one example of Siratul Nabi that applies today as well. That many times, and even today there are many people who raise allegations against the Khalifa, as have been raised in the past, that the Khalifa does not act justly, or he did not act justly in that situation. So there are also these words of the Prophet ﷺ apply. That unfortunately, there are a few Ahmadis who also go along with the disbelievers in this place. That if the Khalifa who is appointed by Allah Almighty is not going to act justly, then who is there left that would act justly? It is a contradiction in a person's own claim that he says that I give my bed to this person as being appointed as the Khalifa of Allah Almighty, but then also I believe that he acted unjustly. The Prophet said that may Allah be merciful to Moses, for he was harmed with more than this, yet he kept patient.
in the Holy Quran we also see some painful expressions of Hazrat Musa alayhi In one place he said to his people that That why do you hurt me when you know and you've accepted that I'm the messenger of Allah? So their claims, their accusations against him, their munafiqat, all of those things he was pointing out to them that you have accepted me as being the messenger of Allah. Then why do you accuse me of injustice? Why do you accuse me of doing wrong things? How can these two things continue simultaneously? So this is the story of munafiqat and the, inter- and the internal contradiction that exists among this group of people since time immemorial. It applied to Hazrat Musa It applied to the Holy Prophet wasallam, And it applies even today as well to the Khalifa. That why do you make accusations against me? As here with the Prophet wasallam, we see in this narration that the person didn't know the facts based on assumptions, based on a previous munafiqat, he made negative assumptions about the Prophet ﷺ while simultaneously having accepted that he was the messenger of Allah. So that also applies today that why, O oh, munafiqeen, do you harm the Khalifa when you have accepted that he is the Khalifa who is appointed by Allah Almighty himself? So this is an aspect of the, how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with munafiqeen that is a source of guidance for us even today. So when we observe these three different groups of people that existed in the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the believers, the disbelievers, and the munafiqeen, then it is our responsibility as the community of believers to strive to be one with the Holy Prophet ﷺ and the Khilafat that is established after him, and to be among those people who are favored by Allah Ta'ala with his special blessings. At the time of the establishment of the Jama'at Ahmadiyyah, Hazrat Masih Salam was hesitant. He didn't want to start the Jama'at. But then when the prophecy of Hazrat Muslim was made, then when Bashir Awwal passed away, at that time some people fell into a misunderstanding. They thought that this Bashir Awwal has passed away, so now the prophecy of Muslim must be false. And so they left Hazrat Masim When these people who were weak, when they left, then Hazrat Masim felt a feeling of relief. And then he said that now my heart is open to starting the Jama'at, because the Jama'at will be started with those who are sincere. So in religious communities, it is always quality over quantity. Quantity is something that comes inevitably. It is a sign of Allah Ta'ala's support eventually of that victory. But the victory happens through that quality. As a Muslim has also explained, that if victory could happen through money, then the Jamaat could hire enough employees and the victory of Islam would happen. But that's never how it happens. It is through those people who are the sincere community of devotees, who are ready to offer everything and sacrifice everything for the sake of Allah Almighty, His Messenger and His Khalifa, that victory comes about. So in the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, victory happened through the community of believers and those fortunate people who we remember up until today. And they are an example for us by Huzur reminding us of the Badri Sahaba today in his khutbat, that we also be among that community of Badri Sahaba and of those believers who by, being, by, by sticking to the rope of Allah Almighty, so Allah Almighty, His Prophet and His Khalifa, then we would also be the inheritors and the recipients of those special blessings of Allah Almighty.